Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. Honey, take the wheel. I'm going to stick my head out of the sunroof. Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The CV Report. Welcome to the CV Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. The CV Report is powered by Entercom's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. And you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else in social media at Connecting Vets. You can hear this and every other episode of the CV Report by downloading the Radio.com app. When you do that, you'll unlock yourself to a world of killer content, great podcasts, radio stations, and radio shows from around the country. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, or any of the other platforms, do me a favor and subscribe so that way we can always get in your ear and on your phone when the new podcast episodes drop. Now, why would you want to subscribe to the CV Report? Well, we're going to bring you news and stories about veterans in the news and how the news is viewed through the eyes of veterans. And every episode has incredible guests. Like today, we're going to talk to the CEO of the Independence Fund, Sarah Verado. She'll tell us about programs that get veterans wheelchairs that look like tanks. And a program they're going to launch a little later this year that is a legit way to treat the suicide epidemic among veterans. She'll be joined by the Director of Suicide Prevention for the VA, Dr. Kata Franklin. She'll tell us how the VA is getting involved with the suicide prevention program. And we'll ask her how millions of dollars in suicide prevention outreach funding went unspent in 2018. All right, now let's get to some veteran news stories. And I'm joined in studio by our digital reporter, Libby Howe. She was raised on Air Force bases around the world. She can raise herself three stories off the ground by rock climbing. And she was born ready for officer candidate school because she's the general's daughter. (laughs) Libby, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Really good. And uh, thank you for joining me on this adventure with the CV report. (laughs) So let's get into some veterans, uh, you know, in the news. So there's a veteran who has been arrested in Russia. Ah, yes. Paul Whelan, the ex-U.S. Marine being held on suspicion of spying. Let's unpack this story. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. hopes to gain access to a former Marine who was arrested in Russia on espionage charges. Mm. And that if the detention is not appropriate, will demand his immediate return. All right. So give me the cliff note version on this one. How'd this whole mess get started? So he goes over to Russia for a wedding on Wednesday, his family realizes that they can't find him. and Or on Friday, his family realizes they can't find him. The following Wednesday, it comes out that he's been arrested on espionage charges. And since then, the U.S. has been trying to speak to him and figure out why Russia has detained him and what the charges are specifically. And so far, we don't know much more than that. Hmm. Now, here we are, kind of early January. The holiday weeks have passed. Um, has he been visited by, you know, our diplomats or our ambassador or... So officials from the U.S. consular, which I don't know if you know what that means, but I'm not super sure what that means, were able to speak to him. We didn't get a lot out of that meeting either. There's hmm. no he. There's bail has been posted and has not been received yet so far. So he's still 
Still not a lot of information coming out of there. Wow. I wonder what bail is. Did they give a number? Or? I didn't see. Didn't see. But I'm also curious. And if you're arrested on spy and espionage charges, does America put up your bail? I mean, it would you would think that they would, right? I mean. Would they? I don't know. I don't know either. The whole thing sounds kind of sketchy to me. And this is where we talked over coffee the other day. And I thought this was funny. You think this sounds like a legitimate thing. Like he's an innocent American possibly arrested, right? I'm going to say yes. At the time, I did think, okay, wedding. Wedding in Russia. That sounds nice. And it's around the holidays. People have weddings around the holidays. And I was like, yeah, wedding. Right. And I thought it was very telling that his brother in the interview with the news networks and over and over again has been quoted as saying, oh, yeah, my brother Paul was going to a friend's wedding. Uh, Paul was in Russia to uh, help a friend out who uh, was having a wedding in Moscow. Just a friend's wedding. Just the way that's phrased makes me think that there's something sketchy going on because who just goes to a friend's wedding? A friend with like air quotes. Feel me on this? Okay, follow my logic. Okay. I didn't go to a wedding last summer. I went to my brother-in-law's wedding. A couple years ago, I went to my cousin's wedding in Vegas. I have been to my fraternity brother's wedding. Every time I go to a wedding, there's a person associated with that. And they have said that it was a former service member's wedding, but there hasn't been any more information than that, that it was a service member that he served with. But we don't have a name. There hasn't been any sort of when they served together or anything like that. Mm. So at this point, it still is a wedding i think that right there says that this is sketchy he was doing something sniffing around uh you know he's a security contractor he works for major companies and analyzes their actual structures and makes sure that they're impenetrable to risks and and threats and things like that and that's that adds up to me but when you get arrested for espionage I think there's something. I think this might be a story. I think he might be working blacklist. I think we might need to call James Spader here and find out what's really going on because nobody just gets arrested when they're in a foreign country for going to a wedding. So do you put any stock in the his frequent visits to Russia and that he, when he had two weeks of leave, at some point he spent them in Moscow and St. Petersburg instead of with his family at home? Do you think... Was he up to stuff on those visits? Or do you think he just has some weird affinity for Russia? (laughs) Weird affinity for Russia, looking for a Russian bride. I don't know, but I think something's up and you never really get the full story. And the fact that it's just been discussed as a wedding for me is the first tell that this is super secret stuff. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. I love conspiracy (laughs) theories. So something else is going on. And it just so happens to coincide with the fact that we have... Recently arrested, uh, what is it, Maria Butina or something like that? Russian national Maria Butina admitting she conspired to act as an illegal foreign agent. I mean, it's been all over the news. She now admits to the judge that she engaged in a conspiracy against the United States to basically infiltrate herself in amongst the powerful politicians and power brokers in, in U.S. politics. I'd read a story, I think it was in like Rolling Stone or something last summer even, that documented how she was trying to get to know people that were running for president through her association with the NRA and in fact had made attempts to even get to know people on the Trump campaign. So there's that. You think there's you know, where there's a political chess match going on. We take someone, they take someone. But really, who are these someones? Well, I've watched enough episodes of Blacklist and James Bond movies to know there's more to every story. 
And you sniff around long enough, you'll find it's more than just cheap cologne. So I did also see a tweet that had something to do with Trump sent Whalen over there so that he could, so that Trump could successfully get him back from Russia and show what a great relationship that we have with Putin. And this is, this is, Whelan is just a, a pawn that Putin and Trump are using to show, look at how great we are together. <laughs> no? Don't think that one's... I don't know. I mean, I, look, I don't know what kind of rabbit it is. I definitely know there's a rabbit hole and I'm going to go down it every single time and find the weird, the strange, and the unpredictable stories. Because frankly, what we read in the news is oftentimes fake news. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the suicide epidemic for a minute. Nobody can better relate to this issue than the veteran community. And our next two guests have been on the front lines of the issue for years. They've teamed up to make a new program where combat warfighters can get together and help combat the suicide epidemic. Joining us to talk about it is Sarah Verado, CEO of the Independence Fund, and Dr. Kata Franklin, who's the Director of Suicide Prevention for the VA. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Tell me about Operation Resiliency and what's going to go down in 2019. Well, the Independence Fund was founded in 2007, and we've always been laser focused on the catastrophic injuries of war, those that you can see. And that's why really our Hallmark program has been based around physical injuries. But what we've realized as we've examined how we can best serve the warfighter and their families is that there are catastrophic invisible injuries as well. And my husband served with some of the best of the best, and he was very severely injured in 2010. Mm. You know, he's recovering from his 119th surgery post-Afghanistan right now. Wow. And what I've come to realize is the only time he's able to get together with his buddies, really, it got to the point where they're all together at funerals um, for, for men that lost their battle at home to suicide. And it really weighed on my heart heavily that when I would mention someone to him that he served with, he didn't say, if I said, do you remember... Tom Smith. He didn't say, did he have a baby? Did he get promoted? He said, did he kill himself? And so I went to Dr. Franklin because I, I know her reputation for really being boots on the ground when it comes to suicide prevention. And I said, please teach me about suicide because I don't understand it. And mm -hmm. the Independence Fund hasn't been in that space. And she's been a phenomenal advocate. And really, um, that idea was, was born from wanting to make a real tangible difference. Amazing. Dr. Franklin, help me with this program now. Um, what is it we're going to do in 2019 together? What are these warfighters going to do when you get them together? Yes, this is such a unique um, opportunity for the VA to partner with the Independence Fund because the VA is a, it's a healthcare, largely where I work, it's a, it's a mm -hmm. healthcare organization. And the uniqueness of this pilot under the leadership of, of Sarah Verado and, and the Independence Fund is that we're going to do a sort of non-hospital-based um, reunions. And so the idea is that we'll bring back bring troops back together that have served together and offer them time to reconnect peer-to-peer, um, vet-to-vet, yeah, to yeah. share common experiences, to review what's gone well since they've transitioned out of the military, what's not gone well, and how to help each other build those connections that will last well beyond the reunion that we hold. Now, when we say reunion, like going back to the setup here, I saw a picture of vets that were all getting together at some hike or some kind of Florida get together where the whole idea was to go hiking for the day. What will these reunions look like? Will they be like 
wooded wine retreats or are we talking goat yoga or, you know, for the Marine in the room, gun yoga? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what, you know, what do they look like? Well, it's a, it's a combination of healing, fun, and, and also really getting to the nitty gritty. And that's why we think the VA partnership is really important because they're developing what the curriculum looks like. We're connecting these veterans with VA services. I mean, sadly, a lot of veterans who do and their lives by suicide are not plugged in with VA support. Mm-hmm. And so we want to introduce the veteran to what is available through VA. There's incredible services and help available through VA that many of our warfighters, you know, leave service and, and don't know what's available. They don't know that they qualify for VA mental health care, what is available. There's some stigma around that. We want to do some myth busting about what that looks like. Um, we want to make it not scary to get help from VA. And we really want to take those barriers down. So we want to do it in a way that, you know, maybe we do some rope courses with them. We get them outside. You know, they have some nice dinners together. But we also really get to the root of of mental health healing as well. Do you find they're more reachable in this environment because they really signed up to just go on a weekend with their bros and have some fun versus a pamphlet that they might see when they go for an annual physical that says, you know, if you're feeling bad, you can come into the VA and schedule an appointment with a therapist. I mean, is this the key to getting to them? Yes, that's what we're hoping for, exactly as you described. This outside-the-box reunion, not not in a clinical setting, but in more of a fun setting where they can also access care, learn about care, um, perhaps destigmatize, normalize what what they may be going through in such a way that they're not alone. Right. One of the key risk factors for suicide is isolation. And we see when we study suicide in the days and months leading up to a, a death by suicide that, um, that a veteran has been pretty isolated. They've not connected well within a community, a neighborhood, with their peers. So we're trying to really deal with that at a broad level. We talk about being isolated, and it seems kind of weird, right? Because you're like, isolated? Uh, I got discharged, I'm medically retired or what have you. I'm surrounded by friends and family. How can I be isolated in my house, in my cul-de-sac, in my suburb, right? But yet you can be. Talk to me about your family and your experience with that isolation because I know the first event for Operation Resilience will feature your husband's former company, the 82nd Airborne, all the way (laughs) to my Airborne friends listening. Yes. Talk to me about his experience. Yes. Um, second of the 508th Parachute Infantry Regiment. Um, they great, great group of men. And, you know, they deployed in August 2009 to conduct combat operations in southern Afghanistan. They met a very high casualty rate very quickly. Mm. Um, group of infantrymen, obviously. And their um, the IED rate was very high, both, both killed and wounded. And for, my, for someone like my husband, you know, my husband was medically evacuated from the battlefield. He was hit twice in two IED attacks. The second one, he, he obviously left um, Afghanistan in a coma. And, you know, he even some of his buddies said to me when they did get to see him years later, like, we had no idea if Mike made it or not. You know, we had no wow. idea what happened. And obviously they, they finally did when they got home from Afghanistan. But you're so mission focused that, you know, that sense of brotherhood is lost. And, and I will be forever indebted to the men of Bravo Company because I think that in what they thought were Mike's final moments on earth, I mean, they truly, those were the men that um, were with him, that kept him alive, that, you know, told him, even when they thought things weren't going to be okay, kind of lied to him and told them that things were going to be okay. And so those that were catastrophically injured and those that were not physically catastrophically injured, they all carry that very heavy load together of what it means to serve, see friends be wounded and killed. And then you go back to their communities. And, you know, I've heard from some of them say things like it's really frustrating to be like 
in a Starbucks, for example, and hear someone complaining that like they're out of almond milk and think it's the end of the world when <laughs> when they have no perspective on yeah. what the end of the world actually looks like or, you know, be in a, a shopping store and, and hear these what they truly would describe as first world problems. And so the isolation maybe is not in having people physically around you, but being removed from that brotherhood that um, you you literally went to hell with these men. And that's that's what so many of the Bravo company guys have said to me, like, you know, they went to hell together. They can certainly go on any kind of yoga retreat or whatever it is. And I'm like, guys, it's not a yoga retreat. I mean, I've said this to them so many times. I'm like, I promise it's not a yoga retreat. But they're willing to do it because, you know, the only time we do get together now seems to be at funerals. And I've, I've watched two of my dear, dear friends and their young daughters bury American heroes, um, Purple Heart recipients who, um, you know, were severely wounded in Afghanistan, survived Afghanistan to come home and lose their battle here. And I think a large part of that is with the isolation of being in a war zone, surviving that and then mm -hmm. coming home and living among a civilian population that is largely unaware of the sacrifice that our warfighters do make. Does the VA see any evidence or is there research being done to show that these situations, these retreats, that this is the good stuff that is helping? Yes, absolutely. There's a, there is a whole line of research around social support and social support being a buffer to mental health symptoms. And so this fits right in line with that. And, and you know, while it might it might be in the research under social support. It's, it's for veterans, it's peer support. And it's right, literally right. the same thing. But um, this is a key indicator for people that, that do well over time. Not only do they come in and get mental health treatment and participate in, in, in therapy and, and things like that, but they also have social support that carries them throughout the weeks and months in, as an adjunct to, to the therapy session. So cool. a absolutely. And it's a tough one to write a prescription for. I get it. You can't write, you know, like, okay, here, I prescribe you two airplane tickets on Southwest to go to Phoenix and see your buddy for a weekend of, you know, fun and four-wheeling. But it's so critical, and I'm glad the VA is already on it and looking into this program. Uh, let's talk programs. Yes. A lot of cool programs Independence Fund does. Absolutely. Um, just looking through your website, what did I find here that was really cool? The mobility program. Can I just say those wheelchairs that look like tanks? How cool is that? They're like these wheelchairs that have like triangular shaped wheels on the sides and then the thick tread like an Abrams tank would have. Um, that's just one of the many things that you guys do with the mobility program. Share with me a bit about that. So there are track all-terrain wheelchairs. And um, if they could be broken, my husband has tried. Like they don't break. They're truly all-terrain, <laughs> all-weather, um, sand, snow, water. I mean, he's been, he, you know, on a uh, bear hunt, deer hunt. I mean, they go anywhere. They're very cool. And so for veterans who do lose a lot of their mobility and independence, this is a way to give it back to them. And so to date, we've given um, nearly 2,400 veterans some of their independence back through those track all-terrain wheelchairs. Mm. And it's open to every error of disabled veterans, does not have to be combat wounded, just has to have a service-connected loss of mobility. Hmm. And so they can apply right on our website. Um, we also do adaptive sports, and that's really individualized for the veteran. So the veteran comes to us and says, this is what adaptive sports looks like for me. And that can be something like a basketball chair, or it can be um, being part of a team or an adaptive rowing shell. I mean, we really try to fit for the veteran versus making the veteran fit into a mold of what we think that adaptive sports program should look like for them. Um, nice. We also fund some teams and we do caregiver retreats because I'm a caregiver. Um, I understand that, 
you know, the the role of being a caregiver is 24-7. It's very stressful. Um, in addition to my husband's physical injuries, which are very evident, probably the hardest part of our life together is he has a very severe traumatic brain injury. So mm-hmm. I have to constantly think for two people um, all of the time and really probably five people because we have three small children. But, um, and, you know, so everything from I have to think, you know, what the weather is going to be like and help select appropriate clothes. He's dependent for all of his activities of daily living, which mm-hmm. means that, you know, he needs help from getting ready for his day, getting washed and clean, food preparation. And there are a lot of caregivers in the country who care for what are catastrophically wounded veterans. And so we take that population and their husbands and wives, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, and we take them on retreats because we really believe that, you know, putting on your own oxygen mask first is vital. And if you're not doing that, you can't provide that care to the veteran. Um, And so self-care, you know, might feel selfish at first, but it is so important for kind of keeping the trains running for your own family. Putting on the oxygen mask first. I love that phrase. And uh, this isn't just trying to win brownie points with my two guests here, but I'll say this to the group. Uh, My wife feels the same way, and I'm not even an injured (laughs) veteran, but oftentimes she is the one, the caregiver is the one Mm -hmm. that thinks for the kids, for the dad, for everybody, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we can turn just a trip to go see in-laws into five things dad forgot (laughs) if she's not on point. Right, And so it's... (laughs) Really cool yeah. that uh, they do that for the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the Independence Fund website, I, did I see a family thing that we involved do. Disney or something? We like do. I saw pictures yes. that look just amazing for the kids. Yeah, so our family program is a relatively new program, but we're really proud of it because what we do is we take families of our catastrophically war-wounded right now is how we really piloted it. And we took these families and we brought them together so that children like mine um, and and the way this idea was born, I had a children's book come out in the spring and you were actually kind enough to um, share that recently. And oh, called, cool. Yeah. And it's called Hero at Home and it's a children's book. All the proceeds go to the Independence Fund. But it um, we were at a preschool event for our four-year-old and another little girl, this is when she was three, another little girl said to my daughter that Grace's dad was weird and gross because he didn't have a leg. And I never expected it. Um, I was so shocked by it. And my daughter was very, very upset, not only in the moment, but like the following night when I put her to bed. She couldn't understand because my children never knew anything was wrong or different with their dad until other people started to tell them. He's always looked like that to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And we heard from a lot of families um, who have sort of been through the life cycle of the independence fund. A lot of our, our veteran base They had these injuries in their maybe early 20s. They were either newly married, had infants, or started their families post-injury. And so they had the same life cycle as my family, which is that, you know, our children were born post-injury. We were married post-injury. And so we were um, able to take these families and, you know, all the dads have robot legs. All the dads are in wheelchairs. (laughs) And these children thought it was so cool. I mean, um, you know, my daughter said something like, one of the other daddies doesn't really talk a lot like our daddy. And, you know, it was very normal because isolation happens for children of our veterans as well and certainly for the caregivers. So that's been really special for us to provide that healing to the entire family. While we're talking about the incredible programs for veterans and their families in 2019, I wanted to look back at suicide prevention in 2018. Mainly, the reports that said that the VA didn't spend its entire budget on suicide prevention. Is there hope that suicide prevention efforts will get stronger? 
and that collaborations like this one with the Independence Fund are just a start. So within the suicide prevention program, we have an overarching budget and we uh, early on in the programming had set aside a certain amount for something called paid media, mm -hmm. which allows us to do advertisements and marketing and push out information through commercials and websites and even Facebook and things like that. And and um, after setting that aside, we we took a pause in our programming. In part, one of the things we realized is that our program was largely focused on reaching veterans when they're at high risk. And we have this veterans crisis line that does some extraordinary work. They they make up to 60 saves a day where they're People are calling this 1-800 number at high, high risk, which is good and necessary. But we needed to shift the way that we do our advertising and marketing to really push towards um, veterans that are doing well and that could do better or veterans that have some risk, not just high risk. So our, our paid advertising efforts were, I, I would offer a little bit off the mark by focusing too much on just the very high risk, which is necessary and we still need to do. So I'm not trying to pull back the throttle on that alone, but to make it more encompassing to reach people like we're calling it like left of boom so left of the crisis in such a way that our marketing is focused on how to be there um, for one another during rough times um, every day not just when people are at their highest level of need well, i think what you need to know about dr franklin and i and i mean this so sincerely is that um she is like on the ground for suicide prevention i mean she's not someone who's in her office removed from it i think it's an issue that is truly like deeply personal to her and I know that I, she's a very modest person but she meets with uh, suicide survivor families um, mm -hmm. she meets with parents she takes every phone call that comes to her office and I really believe it's an issue that she attacks personally and also if someone has an idea about collaborating to save lives I think she's all in so all of that should be noted and none of that was covered sure in this media firestorm about it of course well, let's collaborate. I say in 2019, we get together a lot yes. on this show yes, we and we'll share more information about more programs going down. And if you're listening, I, I don't know if Jimmy Fallon or Justin Timberlake are listening, but I would love <laughs> to see us all get together, do some kind of veteran themed duet yeah. uh, to inspire those uh, to just have a better damn day. <laughs> because to me, that's part of suicide prevention is just reaching out to our battle buddies, reaching out to the guys we served with, even if you weren't combat, but you're just out there in the suburbs, living the dad life, uh, you know, reaching out to the guys you miss and letting them know you're thinking of them. And it sounds to me like that's what this program's going to do. Um, again, real quick, the program, its name, and when it kicks off? Operation Resiliency, April 2019. And I can find more information at? Independencefund.org. All right, well, we'll see you back here very Thank soon. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the CV Report. I want to thank Sarah at the Independence Fund and Dr. Kata Franklin in the VA for joining us today. And of course, thank you for listening. You'll find more podcasts like this on our website, ConnectingVets.com. And if you have something you think we should cover, email me, phil at ConnectingVets.com. Take care, and I'll be back soon to file another CV Report.